right today on 101.9 WDET. I'm so glad you have decided to join us. We're broadcasting live this week from the dining room of the Grand Hotel during the 2021 Mackinac Policy Conference where some of the state's top decision makers and business leaders are gathering. Later in the show, we are going to hear from Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, and in a few minutes, we're going to catch up with Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist. But first, I want to welcome the Chief Executive of the State of Michigan, Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Governor, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning. Glad to be with you, Stephen. Yes, it's good to see you in person. I don't think uh, we have seen each other in uh, about two years. Probably since we were here. Yeah, right? (laughs) I think that might have been the last time. Um, So let's start here. Uh, We got our first look at the budget deal that you struck with the state legislature. Uh, You said you plan to sign that budget. And if we're reading it right, the state will have about $5 billion in revenue unspent after this budget cycle. Uh, And that's, again, billion with a B. That is an astonishing amount of money that's available. Now, uh, explain to me in a pandemic year why you wouldn't spend that money on all sorts of things that have been chronically underinvested for such a long time. I can't explain it to you, Steve, but I've been trying to get the legislature to spend these dollars and focus on things like affordable housing and skills training. Um, I think, you know, we've got an incredible opportunity and we cannot, we cannot falter here. This budget is a great step. We've collaborated. It is bipartisan. It does a lot of things in terms of growing the economy, investing in small business, investing in communities. But the fact of the matter is we have more we can do. And the 10 million people of Michigan elected a divided government, not a dysfunctional one. (laughs) And let's use this budget opportunity to continue this momentum and get these resources deployed, but in a strategic way that actually puts Michigan on a path, not just one-offs, not just special projects, but really puts us on a path to prosperity and opportunity. So, so how would that work, though, if you sign this, if you sign this budget? Yeah, so there's two pieces, right? We've got the state budget. That is the, the, the bills that are being debated in the legislature right now. They right. voted overwhelmingly yesterday, and they'll switch chambers and then get to my desk next week. I'll sign those. But we also have beyond the budget these billions that have come in from the federal government and the um, American Rescue Plan. Thanks to many of our congressional members and and certainly our U.S. senators and the Biden administration, we have this chance to invest these resources. And so this will come in the form of supplementals after I sign the budget next week. Okay. So uh, this is our first chance in a while to catch up with you about the pandemic and how you have been handling it. And I think it's fair to say there's been a pretty major change in your approach. Early on, you were really proactive, handing down health mandates and other orders that were meant to keep people safe. Uh, But for some months now, uh, you've taken a more hands-off approach, leaving it up to local health officials and communities and school districts to make those decisions themselves. Talk about that change. Well, when you put it that way, it might not make sense. So I'm glad you raised it (laughs) because I want people to understand the philosophy. Now, in the beginning of the crisis, we didn't know a lot, and this virus was absolutely ravaging our state. People were getting sick. People were dying. We had to take action, drastic action, to keep people safe. Studies show our actions saved thousands of people. But in the early days, we didn't know that this virus was respiratory. We thought if you touched a surface, like most viruses, that's how you that's caught how it. That's how you get it. Yeah. Now we know. We know a lot more. We know that a mask is the most important tool you can have. We also had no idea there would be vaccines developed that quickly and accessible and free 
and incredibly effective. We have tools now that we didn't have at the beginning of this crisis. And so we've worked really hard to make sure people have access to vaccines. We've gotten over 65% of our population vaccinated. It is easy, it is free, and they are effective. Anyone can avail themselves of these tools now. And that's the real difference here. It's important that masking decisions be made at the local level. It increases the likelihood of compliance when people have the opportunity to have some say in that. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, this where we are in terms of our philosophy of, of how we move forward. And, and that's really what's been driving it. Yeah. So I want to talk a little about schools. Uh, the state's top doctor and one of your closest pandemic advisors, uh, Dr. Joni Caldoun, has said that she recommended a statewide mask mandate for schools, but that you did not take that advice. Uh, talk about why not. Well, we've all agreed that mask mandates are, are important, when you're, especially when you're talking about a population that is not eligible for vaccines yet. The best thing we can do to keep our kids in class is make sure that they're all wearing masks and that all the adults around them or people 12 and up around them are vaccinated. We are on the same page on that front, and that's why we have been really encouraging districts, strongly recommending that they embrace these policies. But like I said, coming at the local level is inherently uh, more conducive to compliance and input from the community, and that's why it's so important. So what happens if we find that COVID starts spreading quickly uh, in schools and we start to see class cancellations and more kids getting sick? Is a statewide mask mandate a possibility if things get worse? Well, right now we're not considering broad epidemic orders like that, but certainly uh, those powers still exist. And if there are circumstances that um, would merit using them, that's something that we will take a look at at the appropriate time. Uh, so yesterday here on the island, you introduced a new economic agenda, which you say focuses on the middle class. Uh, you say no economic vision for the state can be complete if it doesn't focus on eliminating poverty and lifting families into uh, the middle class. Uh, you then list some impressive goals, including lifting 100,000 families out of working poverty during the next five years. That's a really ambitious goal. Uh, but what are the specific measures you want to take to make that? Well, there are a lot of aspects to it, and I, I'm, I'm glad you raised it. I think, you know, it, it's not just focusing on the middle class. It's focused on growing the middle class, mm -hmm. pulling more people into the middle class. Mm -hmm. and. Now, the education budget that I just signed makes the historic investment in the education of our children. We know that is one important aspect to leveling the playing field for, for families and creating opportunity. Four governors have tried to close the gap between the lowest funded per pupil schools and the highest funded. We got it done, and we got it done in the middle of all of this crisis that we've been confronting. So that's something that is really going to make a difference. But these, the Michigan Reconnect and the Future for Frontliners, which are fully funded in this budget, that's 160,000 Michiganders who are going to get an opportunity free of cost, mm -hmm. low cost, uh, to, to uh, enhance their skills and get into higher paying jobs. And that's really what, what we're focused on, growing the middle class, supporting small business, and investing in community. And back to that $5 billion that uh, is going to be unspent, uh, it seems like a lot of that could be directed at exactly these kind of things. And that's exactly where it needs to go. And it's not just Gretchen Whitmer's opinion or Stephen Henderson's <laughs> opinion. This is informed by a lot of the business community that's here this week. This is informed by stakeholders across the state of Michigan. This has been informed by conversations I've had with people all across our state. I've been doing this fix the damn road ahead conversation, Stephen. It's isolating, right? We all have felt isolated, yeah. and, and especially so if you're the governor. 
I've really wanted to connect with people to find out what is the most important thing we can do to make your life better. And that's what the My New Economy plan really is driven by and informed by. Yeah. So uh, lastly, I do want to talk about the wild summer we've had uh, in, in southeast Michigan in particular with these storms and the consequences of them. Uh, we've been asking all public officials, you know, what, what we ought to be doing to be better prepared for these things. Uh, you are the chief executive of the state. What, what can the state government do to make sure that, uh, that utilities are better prepared uh, and that our infrastructure gets the upgrades it needs? We, we have to address this on all fronts, right? We know that decades of underinvestment in infrastructure have collided with climate change that is dropping an incredible amount of rain on our communities. We're having 500-year flooding events over and over again in, mm -hmm. the, in the span of weeks. Yes. I mean, this isn't a 500-year flooding event anymore, right? This is climate change, and that's why we can't just complain about climate change. We've got to take action to rebuild our infrastructure so it's resilient. We've got to ensure that we're doing everything we can to mitigate our exacerbating the climate change that is, that is you know, a huge part of what's happening. So working with locals, uh, working with our municipal leaders, and hopefully getting additional resources through an infrastructure package from the federal government, I think this is a, a need and something that we, we can't not do. Yeah. Okay, uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, always great to talk with you. Great to see you up here on Mackinac. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks, Stephen. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to hear from Governor Whitmer's partner in government, Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist. We're going to talk about the auto insurance overhaul, which has only become more controversial since the governor signed it into law two years ago, right here at the Mackinac Policy Conference. Stay with us for more Detroit Today.